A melody is heard, played upon a flute. It is small and fine, telling of grass and trees and the horizon. The curtain rises. Before us is the salesman's house. We are aware of towering, angular shapes behind it, surrounding it on all sides. Only the blue light of the sky falls upon the house and for stage. The surrounding area shows an angry glow of orange. As more light appears, we see a solid vault of apartment houses around the small, fragile-seeming home. An air of the dream clings to the place, a dream rising out of reality. Welcome back to another episode of Book Blurbs, everyone. In this episode, we're discussing a play, a first for this podcast. This play explores the tragedy of the common man trying to leave his mark on the world and the elusive American dream. Winner of the Pulitzer Prize for Drama and the Tony Award for Best Play and considered to be one of the most successful modern plays ever published, this is Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller was born in New York on October 17, 1915. Miller majored in journalism when he first arrived at the University of Michigan, where he wrote for the student newspaper, the Michigan Daily, and the satirical student-run Gargoyle Humor Magazine. While he was a student, Miller wrote his first play, No Villain, for which he won the Avery Hopwood Award a university scholarship award. After winning this award, Miller began to consider a career as a playwright. Miller switched his major to English and took a playwriting seminar with Kenneth Rowe. In 1937, Miller won the Avery Hopwood Award again with his second play, Honors at Dawn. Upon graduating from the University of Michigan, Miller joined the Federal Theater Project, a New Deal agency created to provide jobs in the theater. Miller chose to join this theater project, even though he had received a more lucrative offer to work as a scriptwriter for 20th Century Fox. When Congress became concerned about possible communist infiltration, they shut down the theater project. Miller worked in the Brooklyn Navy Yard and wrote radio plays after that. Miller married Mary Grace Slatery in 1940. Miller was exempt from military service during World War II because of a high school football injury to his knee. The couple's first child, Jane, was born on September 7, 1944, and their second child, Robert, was born on May 31, 1947. Miller established his reputation as a playwright with his play, All My Sons, which earned him his first Tony Award. On February 10th, 1949, Death of a Salesman premiered on Broadway and ran for 742 performances. It was the first play to win the Pulitzer Prize, New York Drama Circle Critics Award, and a Tony altogether. 
Motivated by the communist witch hunt of the House Un-American Activities Committee, Miller traveled to Salem, Massachusetts to research the Salem witch trials of the 1690s. His research resulted in The Crucible, which I have to say is an absolutely amazing play if you haven't seen it or read it. We read through it in English class when I was in high school, and it was one of my favorite pieces of literature we covered that year, and I still think about it quite often. Shortly after The Crucible opened on January 22nd, 1953, the House on American Activities Committee turned its attention to Miller. It even went so far as to deny Miller's passport he applied for to go to the opening of The Crucible in London. The committee subpoenaed Miller and demanded Miller name friends and colleagues who had communist-leaning political beliefs. Miller refused, saying, quote, I could not use the name of another person and bring trouble on him. A judge found Miller guilty of contempt of Congress. Miller was fined, handed a prison sentence, blacklisted, and banned from applying for a U.S. passport. In August 1958, however, Miller's guilty conviction was overturned by a court of appeals. In June 1956, Miller left his first wife and married Marilyn Monroe. They first met in 1951, had a brief affair, and remained in close contact. Monroe had just turned 30 when they married. She converted to Judaism to, quote, express her loyalty and get close to both Miller and his parents, writes biographer Jeffrey Myers. Miller and Monroe divorced after five years of marriage, and she died 19 months later. Miller married his third third wife, Inga Morath, in February 1962, and they had two children. Their oldest, Rebecca, was born on September 15, 1962, and their son, Daniel, was born in November 1966. Doctors diagnosed Daniel with Down syndrome. Going against his wife's wishes, Miller had Daniel institutionalized and never visited him. In 1979, Miller was inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame. Miller traveled to China in 1983 to produce and direct Death of a Salesman in Beijing, and it was a successful venture. In addition to creating more stage plays, he wrote several film screenplays and won numerous awards and honors. He received the National Medal of Arts in 1993, and the National Endowment for the Humanities selected him for the Jefferson Lecture, the Federal's government's highest honor for achievement in the humanities in 2001. His lecture titled On Politics and the Art of Acting analyzed political events in terms of the arts of performance, and he even touched on the election of 2000. Miller also received the National Book Foundation's Medal for Distinguished Contribution to American Letters in 2001. Miller's final play, Finishing the Picture, premiered in Chicago in 2004. Miller died a few months later of bladder cancer and heart failure at his home in Connecticut on February 10, 2019.
2005, the 56th anniversary of the Broadway premiere of Death of a Salesman. The University of Michigan opened the Arthur Miller Theater in March 2007. It is the only theater in the world that bears his name. I'm going to take a short break here, but when Book Blurbs returns, I'll give my thoughts and rating for Death of a Salesman. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Book Blurbs, everyone. In this episode, I'm discussing Arthur Miller's play, Death of a Salesman. Death of a Salesman is set in the late 1940s and is told through a montage of dreams, memories, and the present struggles of 63-year-old protagonist Willie Lohman, a traveling salesman overly concerned with leaving behind a legacy. Willie is married to Linda and has two sons, Happy and Biff, upon whom he has pinned all of his hopes and dreams, only for Biff to rebuff him at every turn. Willie sees salesmanship as a way to reinvent himself, but he can barely make a living and support his family. He becomes obsessed with figuring out where he went wrong in life and how to close the gap between what he might have been and what he actually is as his mind steadily slips into senality. Miller's uncle, Manny Newman, inspired him to write Death of a Salesman. Newman was a salesman himself, and when Miller ran into him in the lobby of a Boston theater that was showing All My Sons in 1947, he, quote, could see the grim hotel room behind him, the long trip up from New York in his little car, the hopeless hope of the day's business. Without acknowledging Miller's greeting or congratulating him on the play, Newman said, quote, Buddy is doing very well. Buddy was Newman's son, and Newman saw Miller and his older brother as running neck and neck with his two sons in some kind of race that never stopped in his mind. Newman sadly committed suicide soon after this meeting at the theater. One of Newman's sons told Miller that he had always wanted to create a business for his two sons. Miller had been thinking about writing a play about a salesman. His encounter with Newman made Miller want to do a play without any transitions at all, dialogue that would simply leap from bone to bone of a skeleton that would not for an instant cease being added to, an organism as as strictly economic as a leaf, as trim as an ant. Miller accomplishes this as the story seamlessly moves from Willie's past to the present day. Willie's family seems to understand that his need to dream is a fundamental means of escape. Happy says in Act 2, quote, Dad is never so happy as when he's looking forward to something. Miller makes the audience question if Willie's family is responsible for furthering his delusions, or if they're only trying to please him innocently. Miller turns the American dream on its head in Death of a Salesman. Although America is supposed to be the land of the free, 
The Lohman family seems trapped by America's competitive capitalistic economy. New apartment developments encroach on Linda and Willie's home and serve as a metaphor for their figurative confinement by the mortgage and other bills. Willie exclaims, quote, there's more people. That's what that's what's ruining this country. The competition is maddening. Smell the stink from that apartment house and the one on the other side. Linda also says, quote, we should have bought the land next door to which Willie responds, quote, the street is lined with cars. There's not a breath of fresh air in the neighborhood. The grass don't grow anymore. You can't raise a carrot in the backyard. They should have had a law against apartment houses. Remember those two beautiful elm trees out there? When I and Biff hung the swing between them? Linda answers, Yeah, like being a million miles from the city. Biff feels like he can only find freedom out west, working with his hands not in the city, following in his father's footsteps as a salesman. Throughout the play, we see how important appearances are to Willie. Quote, That's just what I mean. Bernard can get the best marks in school, you understand. But when he gets out in the business world, you understand, you are going to be five times ahead of him. That's why I thank Almighty God you're both built like Adonis's. Because the man who makes an appearance in the business world, the man who creates personal interest, is the man who gets ahead. Be liked and you will never want. Willie constantly reminisces about Biff's high school football days and emphasizes his good looks over his intelligence. Just look at how he talks about Bernard in that quote. Even though Bernard got better grades in school than Biff, Willie still believes that Biff will be a more successful businessman because people will care more about his appearance than his brains. Willie's fixation with appearance goes beyond the physical, though, as we see him get upset with Linda for waxing their floors. Willie cares just as much about how people perceive his family economically. The fact that they have to do that sort of housework themselves rubs Willie the wrong way and injures his pride. Miller is making an argument through the Lohman family that America is obsessed with image and appearance rather than real substance. I could go on and on talking about this play, but I'm going to get right into my rating now to stop myself from accidentally spoiling anything for you. My scale from best to worst is bookshelf worthy, buy, library, spark notes, and pass. I'm going to give Death of a Salesman the rating of bookshelf worthy. Death of a Salesman proves that Miller was a giant of theater. It's a seminal work that is just as relevant to American society today as when it first premiered on Broadway in 1949. Death of a Salesman returned to Broadway as recently as 2023 with the story told from the perspective of an African-American family under the tagline, anyone can sell the American dream, but can everyone own it? The final performance of the run was on January 15th, 2023. Stop what you're doing now, 
go pick up a copy of Death of a Salesman, do what I did and go into it blind. Whether you read it like me or whether you go and watch it on film or stage, I promise it's a story that's going to stick with you. And if you're just reading it, it's going to be a really quick read. It's just a two act play. And uh, the text just jumps off the page at you. You feel like you know these characters and understand them deeply by the end of the play. And it just kind of blows by real quick. But even though it's a quick read, it's really going to remain with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Book Blurbs. I invite you to jump onto social media and follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter at BookBlurbs19. That's BookBlurbs and the number 19. You can also send an email to BookBlurbs19 at gmail.com and you can record a voice message at www.anchor.fm slash BookBlurbs. Please do me a favor and leave a rating for book blurbs on whichever podcasting platform you're using to help grow the podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth, and I'll catch you on the next episode of Book Blurbs.